It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on Reds country welcome inside the locked on Reds podcast for this throwback Thursday I'm your host your cheap seat crony your bench Jackie with a beer my name is Jeff Carr welcome inside the only daily podcast for the Cincinnati Reds the best darn baseball team on the planet you heard it here first all right, maybe not first, but you heard it here. Today, we're talking about Throwback Thursday. I've got a player for you. It was actually suggested to me on Twitter, and I totally agreed with him after I did some research on the player. I think you will enjoy him as well. And then at the second half, we're going to talk some pitchers and catchers reporting and just general excitement about hearing that good old pop in the mitt. But before we get to that, Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Check us out on Twitter at LockedOnReds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And also look us up on the web at LockedOnReds.com. Today, I'm going to look at a guy, and as I mentioned, he was suggested to me on Twitter, suggested to me by Obscure Former Reds. If you don't follow Obscure Former Reds, check him out. The handle is at ObscureXReds. And he does a lot of nice things. I mean, he follows his title very nicely, Obscure Former Reds. He's going to pull out some names on a daily basis that you just never heard of. You know, a lot of times you've never heard of. And he did a good one today. I'd seen this guy before looking at different historic Reds players that you don't hear a whole lot about. And today we're going to be talking about Charles Fred Red Lucas. That's right. He went by Red Lucas. And as far as I know, going back through the history of the Reds, I think he's the only guy who went by the name Red. And he was one of the better pitchers in the history of the Reds. He won the best, but he was definitely up there at the tops. He's got some interesting statistics. His career was made on complete games. He was a pitcher, but he also had a talent for hitting and even for fielding. As Sabre.org would tell you in his bio profile on Sabre.org, it said he was so good at all three phases of the game that there were multiple times where he filled in at second base, shortstop, third base, even the outfield, and there are two separate different managers who tried to convert him from a pitcher to a fielder, which is ironic because in in his career story, he actually was kind of bounced around the minor leagues because back then, minor leagues weren't necessarily affiliated with a specific baseball team. In fact, minor leagues were looked at as almost sort of Kind of like the way college football is to the NFL. But he was bounced around and he wasn't really discovered as a good pitcher until he was sent to a team and told to compete for the second base job and he lost out. And then they're like, you know what, let's try you on the mound. And he ended up being a pretty good pitcher at that. He played two major league seasons before coming to the Reds, and really it was just a cup of coffee in both cases. 
He pitched three games for the New York Giants back in 1923, and then he was sent to the Boston Braves, and he pitched a couple more games there. He had about 27 games that season in 1924, and it wasn't until he was traded to Cincinnati in 1926 that he became a Red. That first year, he had more relief appearances than he did starts, but ironically enough, kind of as a audition to his ability to be a starting pitcher that year 1926 is first with the Reds like I said he was mostly a reliever but he started 11 games and of those 11 games he pitched seven complete games he had an ERA that season of 3.68 and so he was pretty solid in just about any point he was on the mound and the Reds he gave him the starting nod. After that, he was a starting pitcher the rest of the way. He actually, fun fact for him, and I mentioned he's got the ability to do all three phases of the game very well. He holds the record still to this day for most pinch hits by a Cincinnati Red. He had 80 career pinch hits, 8-0 career pinch hits as a Red. And, you know, with the bat, he had a career batting average, we're talking about a pitcher now, but a career batting average of 281. His batting average in his eight years in Cincinnati was 300. And in fact, there was only four of those years that, so half the time he hit over 300 and the other half he hit just under 300. The lowest batting average he had while playing for the Reds was 281. You know, you don't really hear about pitchers nowadays. He was he was Michael Lorenzen before Michael Lorenzen was around. And, you know, back then, homers weren't that prevalent. He actually only has three career home runs. All three of them, though, came as a Red, and two of them were in pinch hit situations, so it's kind of cool to see that. But as a pitcher, like I mentioned, he had a – propensity for complete games. In fact, in his career, he had 302 starts, and he had 204 complete games. So not only was it a majority, but it was an overwhelming majority. It was almost a rarity to see him to watch a game that Red Lucas was pitching, and he didn't go nine innings. And Sabre points out that in his career, he was so fond of complete games, there was actually twice where he pitched past nine innings. And by past nine innings, I'm not talking about 10. I'm not talking about 11. He had one game, this was in 1928, actually on April 25th against the Cardinals. He pitched 17 innings, and he got the win. And the Reds won 5-4 to four that day. And then he had another game. This one it wasn't until 1933 that the second time happened. But on July 16th of that year, he pitched 15 innings on the first game of a doubleheader against the New York Giants. And they won. Get this, he threw 15 innings, and the Reds won one to nothing. Talk about an interesting game there. In fact, uh, the... You know, the story on Sabre goes that the second half of the doubleheader, the Giants beat the Reds as Carl Hubble 
beat Paul Derringer one to nothing in that second game of the doubleheader. So you're talking about you set through two games, 24 innings of baseball, and you saw two runs. But the oddest thing about it was the author of the story on Saber, he, he actually got to sit down with Red Lucas. This was back in 1982, he said that he got to interview Red Lucas, and Red Lucas said those were the two best games of baseball he ever witnessed. Of course, one of them he pitched, the other one he watched. But he said those were the two best games. So that must have been something. I mean, it's hard to find specifics on games from 1933, but I can only imagine a one nothing game, there must have been some interesting defense in there. And speaking of defense, one of the more uh, anecdotal games in the career of Red Lucas was his first season as a regular starter in 1927. On July 26th, or sorry, July 22nd, they played against the Dodgers, the Brooklyn Dodgers back then, and Dazzy Vance pitched for the Dodgers at that time. Because and and the reason that this interest, the reason that this game was interesting was because he he being Red Lucas, this game was interesting because Red Lucas came within a scorer's decision of a no-hitter. And the reason that we say that, they're playing in Brooklyn, and there was a ground ball that went between the legs of the Cincinnati Reds second baseman, who at that time was a guy named Huey Critz, and it went between his legs. But the Brooklyn, you know, the official scorer in the press box for Brooklyn said, nope, that's a hit. And then after the game, the second baseman, Critz, and Red Lucas went and pleaded to the guy to change it and fix it. I mean, obviously, that's an error, and, you know, Red Lucas deserves a no-hitter, but the scorer would not change it. So we talk about a couple of years back, which I guess is not a couple of years now. It's been a little bit longer than that, but Armando Galarraga for the Tigers getting robbed by the bad call at first base on whether the guy was out or not and losing that no-hitter that way, this one was so blatant, it was almost as bad as if the New Orleans Saints got another pass play that should have had a pass interference called. But we won't get into all that. This is a baseball podcast after all. But anyway, I tell you what, we're going to take a quick break. I'm all about Red Lucas today, but we'll come back to more Red Lucas after this ad break. You're listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. Have you been keeping up with pitchers and catchers reporting? Have you seen those videos? Have you seen the pictures? And just the awesome weather. I mean, even not talking about baseball, we're talking about great-looking weather out there. I mean, see Trent Rosecrans was on Mo Egger's show the other day, said that it was 65 out in the afternoon. And we're talking about Arizona, so it's not wet. It's nice and dry, nice and neat. It's an awesome place to be right now. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Cactus League spring training action. That's right, folks. It's right around the corner. We're less than two weeks away before the first game between the Reds and the Indians at the ballpark in Goodyear, Arizona. Are you itching for some baseball? Have you ever gotten to see Arizona? We're talking about the Grand Canyon, Monument Valley, the greater Phoenix area where all 15 teams in the Cactus League are within 50 miles of each other. That's right. You can go see the Reds. You can see 14 other teams, and you really don't even have to go that far. And we're talking about great places, great resorts to even take the whole family. 
So, if baseball and the Grand Canyon and great temperatures in the month of February and March sound awesome to you, head on over to visitarizona.com slash spring training and start planning your trip today. I wish I could do something like that because I'm telling you what, right now it's 20 degrees outside my window and 65 sounds like heaven. So if you want to get out of winter, go to visitarizona.com slash spring training and head on over to Arizona Cactus League action. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. This is the Lockdown Reds podcast on a throwback Thursday. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to the podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Today, we are talking about Red Lucas, Charles Fred Lucas, a guy who used to pitch for the Reds. He was also a pretty good hitter and fielder back in the 20s and 30s for Cincinnati. And he was suggested to me by Obscure Former Reds, which on Twitter, the handle for that is at obscure x reds and he had mentioned in the thing that in his message to me about red lucas that red lucas had 27 straight complete games between two seasons it was between 1931 and 1932 that he did that and i mentioned in the first half that red lucas had a propensity for going deep into ball games because he had 302 career starts and he had 204 career complete games. But think about that for a second. Between those two years of 1931 and 1932, we're talking about every single time he went to the ballpark, 27 straight games. He never got relieved. The manager never came out and said, you know what, bring in the lefty or, you know what, bring in the righty. Come on, bring him in. It was always Lucas who started and finished the games. And Lucas was just an absolutely phenomenal player all around. As I mentioned in the first half, he hit over 300. Actually, he hit right at 300 for his eight-year career in Cincinnati. And the the biggest crime was that the teams that he played for never did anything. I think the highest that any of those Reds teams finished was like fourth place because, you know, the teams around him weren't all that great. And so his career, as nice as it was in Cincinnati, was just overshadowed by the fact that the Reds never won a pennant during his career. You know, they finished in seventh or eighth place five times during the eight years he was in Cincinnati. And in fact, it was just a little bit after, it was in the 1930, just just before the 1934 season, the Reds traded him to Pittsburgh. And they got some guys back who were of no consequence because if I told you their names, they you wouldn't know who I'm talking about. But he traded him to Pittsburgh, and ironically enough, he did better with Pittsburgh. They finished twice a couple of times, finished third. They were a much better contender than the Reds were whenever he was in Cincinnati. And ironically enough, he was always galvanized by that trade because he had tried to negotiate a better contract for himself after the 1931 season. And then a couple of years after that, he gets traded to the Pirates. As history goes... After he was traded to Pittsburgh, he was 14-0, undefeated, never lost to the Reds after they traded him away. 
and it was obvious that he used that trade as fuel for the rest of his career. And as he, you know, he ended up his career and all that good stuff, he retired. He he was born in Tennessee. He was Columbia, Tennessee, just south of uh, Nashville there. And they said that he always lived in Nashville even after he retired from baseball. And an interesting fact, it back in the time when Red Lucas retired, he left the majors 10 years before the pension system for a ball player went into effect. So he played, he coached, and he managed in the minors after he retired from his major league career. And then after he was done with all that, he became a truck weight inspector for the Tennessee Department of Revenue. And he even served several years as a deputy sheriff. So, you know, back in those days, it wasn't so easy to retire and just become a TV analyst and live out a cushy life after your retirement. He still had to work a little bit, but he was inducted into the Reds Hall of Fame in 1965, and he proceeded to live to the ripe old age of 84. He didn't pass away until 1986, so quite a life for a great ball player in Red Lucas. He He's one of the most interesting players in the history of the Reds. Like I said, he never really got to see a pennant or anything like that. And kind of uh, what I did, what, what I intended whenever I started these Throwback Thursdays is, you know, most of us know, most of us have an idea about those guys who were on the Big Red Machine. I know I talked about Johnny Bench a little bit last week, but I really – I really focus more on Johnny Edwards, the catcher that came before him. And the whole point is to just get you better acquainted with the history of the Reds outside of the Big Red Machine and outside of the 1990 World Series team, those teams that we know so much about. And I really thank obscure former Reds, you know, like I said, on Twitter, at ObscureXReds, for that suggestion. And I was really glad to learn about Red Lucas because he was a pretty interesting dude. So that that was definitely that was definitely my longest throwback Thursday there, just talking about him for you know all of like 18 minutes here, 16 minutes, whatever it is. Um, so quick few news and notes. There's nothing crazy going on. I mean, the Reds announced that Rob Manfred will be the Grand Marshal of this year's Opening Day Parade to commemorate the 150th season of the Cincinnati Reds and also doing so commemorate the 150th season of professional baseball. So that's pretty cool. You know, there was a little bit of, and obviously Twitter is its own monster, but there was a little bit of social media outcry whenever this news came out of, oh, Pete, Pete this, Pete Rose that, Pete. You know what? I I love Pete. I love what happened through his playing career and that he's the hit king he'll always be the hit king in my mind but we got to move on from this like I I think Rob Manfred did everything he could to give Pete a second chance and there there was just so much other stuff that kept coming out that I don't think Pete's getting in the hall folks just mark it down right now and and move on you know let's celebrate his career for what it is He's a Hall of Famer to us. We'll just leave it at that. And let's enjoy opening day with Rob Manfred as, you know, the commissioner of baseball as the Grand Marshal for the opening day parade, recognizing the greatest opening day tradition in all of baseball. And then on the other side, this is more just analysis and more what people are talking about today is Connor Joe, the Rule 5 draftee. He came, we got him over from the Dodgers. The deal with Connor Joe is this. 
Since he was a Rule 5 draftee, if he does not make the 25-man roster, then the Reds have to at least offer him in a trade back to the Dodgers, and I don't think they can get very much for him or anything like that. But they're talking about he's taking time at catcher. He never really has caught in the major leagues. He's played first base and third base, and he's got the ability to be that utility player for the Reds on the bench and stuff like that. But as far as catcher goes, they've really got a log jam going on because they also have Kyle Farmer, who basically profiles pretty similar to Connor Joe in that he could be a utility player with the ability to catch. And then, of course, you got Tucker, and you've got Kirk Casale, and Kirk Casale himself is out of options. So I, I could almost see him as like a Robert Stevenson type. If they put him on waivers, someone's going to pluck him up because the Duke can hit. And he's not too bad of a catcher either on the defensive side. So uh, I think it's going to be an interesting story there to watch develop over the spring training games is what does Connor Joe do and does he give them, you know, a dilemma there at the backstop position. But I've run really long today. I hope you enjoyed talking about Red Lucas today, a nice old player to learn about. And then also uh, tomorrow – I want you to be excited. We're going to have James Rapine back on the show to talk for some Phone It In Friday. I'm really happy to be speaking with him again. We're going to talk all things spring training. Might even ask him a few questions about the Indians, too. Thanks for listening to the Throwback Thursday edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Check us out on social media and look us up at LockedOnReds.com. Thanks again, Reds fans. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.